Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. I'm just going to... Not much of an intro this morning. We're just going to continue in prayer. Uh, Let's just kind of keep in that spirit. God, we just thank you for this opportunity to just come and, God, unwind and disconnect and, God, get some time with you because, God, that's why we're here. God, to hear your word, to hear your spirit speak to our hearts and our minds. And, Lord, we just in this place, we're all in different places with you and God, I just pray that your spirit this morning would do a little surgery on us. God, bring your encouragement, bring your life in the way that only you can. That goes beyond a human voice or a written word. But God, comes alive in our spirit because of your presence. So Lord, we just give this time to you. And God, we just pray that you would have your way in us. God, we just put that stubborn stick down. And Lord, we just take on a yes uh, to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hopefully, uh, as we've been going through the series on the book of Acts, Acts is a great book. If you're uh, uh, searching for Jesus or following Jesus, Acts is a great book because it lays out a picture, a vision of what followers of Jesus' life and ministry should look like to the world. And Acts is just a big faith-building book, and uh, so hopefully you've been getting a lot out of it. Hopefully you've been seeing a couple things along the way. Um, One, the unlimited power of God with average people. Hopefully you've been kind of seeing that theme. God takes average people, broken, fractured, fills them with his spirit, and then does things that only God can do, so God gets the glory. It's amazing. Another thing is you saw the persecution and the resistance to the church, both externally from Rome and the Jewish uh, religious leaders, but you also had internal uh, conflict and battles with the gospel. And you saw the boldness and confidence of his people to stand strong and not let division win. And that's a theme. We had to kind of cover that last week because the same schemes of the enemy are not new. (laughs) There's nothing, Ecclesiastes says, there's nothing new under the sun. The same enemy that hates you has hated mankind ever since God created man. So over the last few weeks, we've been following this guy named Paul. And around uh, chapter 10, 11, this, this whole book begins to kind of follow this one apostle named Paul. And uh, in chapter 17, Paul does something that I think you and I should take notice in this generation as followers of Jesus, if you are, uh, to uh, let's glean a little from Paul, okay? So let's dive in. Acts 17, if you have a Bible, you can turn there or just follow along. Acts 17, verse 16, it says, Now while Paul was waiting for Timothy and Silas at Athens... So he's in Athens, the, the, the capital city to formerly known Greece. Well, it's still known as Greece, but uh, the glory had kind of departed a little from Athens and moved to Rome. 
But here is this old town Athens. And his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. All right, so city is full of idols. He's waiting for his two buddies. He's just walking around town, and he's noticing that Athens has a lot of statues, a lot of idols, a lot of places to give your worship and sacrifice to. And uh, he begins, he goes to the synagogue, and he hangs out of the synagogue, actually, for a couple months. And every Sunday, Paul is kind of coming to the Jewish synagogue, because that was, uh, from his vantage point, the low-hanging fruit. They kind of knew most of the story. Um, and so he'd be pre preaching in the synagogues, and then uh, a few uh, Epicurean philosophers and other people were hearing him preach in the marketplace. He would also go out on the street, not just in the synagogue, but he would go out on the street and interact with people about the gospel, about Jesus resurrecting from the dead, and then how all mankind needs to repent. And so he was stirring up this town in Athens. And, uh, and these guys came to Paul in verse 20. It says, for you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now, all the Athenians and the foreigners who live there would spend their time with nothing except telling or hearing something new. Telling or hearing something new. Uh, these guys were kind of the old school social media, you know, just kind of like, I'm just looking for something new. Just tell me something new. No, but it was in this forum in which they would have people come from all over the world and share their worldview, share their, about their God or about their world. And they would, they would banter, talk through it or discuss it. But anyway, so Paul was standing in the midst of the Agropolis and said, men of Athens. So they bring him in front of this huge crowd, and he says, men of Athens, I perceive in every way you are very religious. Looking around your town, I see all the idols upon which you worship. He says, for as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So as Paul's walking around this town, he notices a particular statue that kind of struck him, stood out to him. And it says, here's this idol to give worship to that's to an unknown God. Unknown God. Okay, so there's a little bit of mystery. There, there may be something out there that we don't really know, and so we'll kind of throw it in this idol, the unknown God. So just kind of maybe cover our bases. But the altar with the inscription to an unknown God... And the legend behind it, established, its establishment provided the backdrop for Paul's entire speech. Once, and there's where this legend comes, there was a terrible plague in the city of Athens. And attempts to appease the gods and stop the plague had no effect. One of the wise men of the day brought a flock of sheep to the top of Mars Hill and released them. So this guy brings a bunch of sheep top of this hill, releases them. Wherever those sheep stopped, an altar was set up to an anonymous God, and an animal was sacrificed. This course of action was allegedly effective, and the city returned to health. Okay, so there's a whole backdrop to this statue named to an unknown God, that they had been giving hope to this unknown God in that he kept the plague from happening. 
And so kind of in their little game they played, they thought, man, there's unknown God, there's something there. The emphasis on Paul's sentence here is not the identity of the unknown God, but their ignorance of their worship. Paul in the city of lovers of wisdom focuses on their ignorance. They admitted about the identity of God. And so he goes on. It says, what therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he's actually not far from each of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own prophets said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. Wow, so Paul is just going right after certain things about what he's picking up. God, Paul was moved. I think he was moved by their admitted ignorance in a town of wisdom. That takes great humility. Wisdom about the true God's identity to argue that they were also ignorant about where God dwells, that they were wrong about what kind of worship God wanted for them, and they were wrong about how God can be thought of or represented. In short, everything about their religiousness was an error other than their admission of their ignorance. How about that? Now this phrase that kind of stuck out to me, it says, it says that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he's actually not very far from either one of us. This phrase, uh, feeling, feel their way towards, it's a blind feeling for. Or another, uh, the word picture that comes with this phrase is groping around in the dark. Okay, so Paul is saying that they should seek God perhaps as if they might grope around to find him, even though he's not far from any of us. He's saying, it seems like you're groping around in the dark for this mysterious God who's now been revealed in Jesus, and I'm here to tell you that he's not far from each one, any one of you. Never has. So, verse 17, or verse 20 here, or verse 30. The times of ignorance God overlooked. Now here he's with these, with these people that are kind of hungry to learn, but here he comes with his closing salvo. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he's appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So here Paul breaks down not just a cogent argument to 
open this doorway into this unknown God that you've worshipped. I'm here to declare to, to you who he really is, and he's the Lord over all these gods. I just think that it was so interesting that Paul, as he was going on his journey, is just walking around the town, and he observes their idols. Observes their idols. He discerned their thirst for knowledge, their thirst for truth. He also found a doorway through these idols. And he boldly stepped through it, offering Jesus as mankind's only redeemer. It's interesting, most of my uh, professors for ministry were missionaries. And uh, one of the things that they would say over and over and over again, no matter who, what culture God sends his people to, there is always a story there that's set up for Jesus to be the resolve to. You just have to find that story. You just have to find that idol that's taking the place of who God is supposed to be. And so um, I just think it's really intriguing. Every culture has doorways. So I know it's Labor Day weekend. I know with the three-day break, you're just totally in just off mode. Hey, I'm coming to get my good Jesus on a Sunday morning, and then we're off to a nice Labor Day lunch. Come on now, but I do need a little help in that if I was to ask a question, what would you say are our cultural idols? What would be some things that come to mind? So this is just, you know, it's intimate crew this morning. We could just yell it out. But what would be some cultural idols you would think in our culture if somebody walked around? Money. Money. All right. That's a good one. Convenience. Convenience. Ooh. Huh? Pleasure. Pleasure. Yes. Status. status. Yes. Status slash influence. Absolutely. Power. That's a good one. So money, influence, power, status, success. Lovers Man. Of self. Lovers of self. All right. Lovers of self probably adds to that pleasure piece, doesn't it? Social media. Social media. How about we draw back a little bit farther and say tech? Tech as a response or to our need of we want a savior. And so maybe tech could eventually get us to be have eternal life. I mean, right? Is that not what tech and, and, and technology is for? Transhumanism? Come on, everybody. Welcome to the 21st century, right? But yes, little, little pocket idol right here that distract us all the time. Sure. How, what else? What would other be some other idols? This is good. This is good. Significance. Significance. Yes. Yeah, defined differently probably to by everybody, like what that would be, yeah? Success. How about, uh, I'm going to throw out a few. Uh, those were solid, solid lists. You, you covered most of my list. Um, what are about some other ones? Uh, politics, probably a good idol that ebbs and flows, and it has been flowing <laughs> over the past 10 years, hasn't it? And just when people get in that political spirit, followers of Jesus, I'm just, just straight up. No follower of Jesus should find themselves fully in one party or the other. Can I get an amen? Come on. So you got to stay above it. 
stay above that groupthink that pits people with half-narrative truths. Anyway, another one uh, that I would say kind of has emerged as we've kind of uh, seen a few things emerge uh, recently. Um, I would contend that science has now turned into scientism. Uh, back in the day, when a scientist had a theory, uh, he would say, here is my theory, and I dare you to disprove me. I dare anybody. I dare anybody to disprove me. Now we're in an age of science in which usually the people who controls the, the purse strings, but has a narrative, and any other narrative gets censored, shut down, and that is not science. That's scientism. And people are buying into scientism and not science, even though the phrase, believe the science, right? It's like, no, you're believing scientism, because whenever there's censorship in the scientific community, it eliminates that being true, or you being able to prove that that's true, either side. Um, well, another one is... Uh, fear. Fear can at times come upon nations um, that becomes an idol uh, or not really an idol, a comfort. It becomes a comfort blanket. Instead of really trusting in the Lord to be your provider, uh, a person who kind of gives under the spirit of fear actually can really turn into almost a different person. Uh, because of all the help that that fear is giving them to behave or to act, and they kind of turn into different people. All these idols. I would submit, as looking at just Paul's powerful uh, story here in Acts 17, that we as followers of Jesus need to spend a little time in this place. Uh, looking at the idols of our culture and looking at the scriptures and who God is and then coming together and seeing uh, with, with a, just a rig clear mirror how much have I or may continue to bow to the idols before the Lord. So God has given you redemption for a reason and like Paul, to stand boldly to not only to discern the idol's effect in your own life, but to discern idols in culture and to be who God's called us to be in this hour. If you are a son and daughter of the living God, that you, the fact is, is you are his ambassadors of a different kingdom. The gospel calls people to be set apart from the world, the love of the world and anything in it. Why? It helps to bring kingdom into the world, not by, uh, you know, closing ourselves off from the world, but just to be separate, separate in heart. And um, when people are impacted by the transforming love of Jesus, now listen, here's what happens time and time again is that we may have grown up in a culture with a ton of idols and we just kind of, you know, sponge on them and say, hey, that seems like a pretty good, hey, American dream, I live in America, that sounds pretty sweet, let's live for that. And we kind of glean these idols kind of along the way and they begin shaping and forming our vision of our future or what we're called to do or be or... But it's interesting, when somebody gets hit 
with the transforming power of Jesus, those idols, what used to be seen as maybe your good friend, the one helping you, the one giving you a little lift, that quest for X is really helping you. When you get hit with the transforming love of Jesus, you see that all those idols were actually the things enslaving you, not freeing you, not helping you get a better life, actually enslaving you to become a subservient in life to whatever that idol is. But it's interesting when the transforming power of Jesus is experienced. It's amazing what happens. There's a story just two chapters later in Acts 19 where Paul is in another city. He's in Ephesus. And um, a lot of crazy things happening in Ephesus. It was a very Gentile town. Uh, there was the temple of Artemis or Diana uh, there in Ephesus. And so a lot of people in the Roman world would come and worship kind of this female goddess. There was a lot of temple prostitution other things around, but there was a lot of magic and a lot of uh, quest for supernatural power in this town. And so Paul come, brings his disciples and he preaches. Long story short, uh, there's a... Okay, long story short, his, his, in the Ephesus, uh, Paul's doing a lot of supernatural things, and there's, a, there's these brothers that see what Paul is doing. They were... They were you could say uh, itinerant Jewish exorcists, okay? So they'd go around and they'd pray for anybody demonized. Uh, but because of what, how Paul was praying for and seeing people delivered out of their demonic oppression with the name of Jesus, they said, hey, we're going to take Paul's little formula and we're going to use it ourselves because it's working really good for him. And so uh, the, these brothers... Uh, prayed for this demonized person, and they said they didn't know Jesus, had no relationship with Jesus, weren't born again, didn't have his Holy Spirit, didn't have authority or power, but there, they're, they're saying in the name of Jesus, be delivered. Well, this story goes that this demon leaps out of this person and attacks these brothers, and they run out naked and wounded. It's Interesting story. Anyway, praise the Lord. Uh, in verse, uh, Acts 19, verse 17, and this became known to all the residents of Ephesus. So that's one of the reasons why I had to explain that story is because this, it's like, well, what? What happened? So, well, this is what happened. So uh, that story became known all throughout Ephesus of like, man, supernatural power, these demons attack, what's going on? So it became known to all the residents. All fear and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And the number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to about 50,000 pieces of silver or about $1.5 million worth of magic paraphernalia books they pulled because of the transforming love of Jesus. So the word of God continued to increase and prevail mightily. A number of these Ephesians, magic and quest for supernatural power was their idol. And in light of who Jesus is and the power that he has, they radically repented and turned completely away from their past. They burned the bridge to all their former allegiances. I am Jesus and Jesus is alone. 
and follower of Jesus, if you have never had this type of experience of putting a deep line in the sand with regards to your past, and you're like, man, I'm, I am trusting, I'm following Jesus, and that past is fully behind me, and I'm burning. I mean, for me, the things that I kept, and it's different for everybody, what your idol was. Um, my idol was um, love, romance, lust. It was, it was kind of like a mature lust, you know? Anyway, it wasn't like a teenager lust. It was more like a 25-year-old lust. Anyway, so it had some nuance to it. But um, anyway, so for some reason, uh, I kept a lot of the CDs. This is back in the CD era. I can't believe I'm saying that. Anyway, um, back in the CD era, I kept a lot of the CDs that I used to make my mixtapes for my girlfriends. Do you ever make a mixtape? Come on, mixtapes? Come on, are you guys? Playlist, I guess you could come with a playlist. No, man, that tape, that A-side, B-side on the cassette, man, that took you time to make on your double cassette recorder. Anyway, um, so I had all these CDs. And uh, I was, I'd been following Jesus for a little while. But that was still hanging on my heart. And I didn't want, there was a side of me that was afraid to really trust God in that area that I really needed to kind of keep the reins on this one. <laughs> this is kind of a big one, right? Uh, I don't want to leave it all up to the Lord, uh, whatever excuse I was given. And... Uh, one time, I just, I, it, this, this type of message just hit me, and I realized how much I was still hanging on to my old life and how I was excusing it in my head, rationalizing that, oh, you know, you don't want to be seen as kind of like weird guy, you know, where you just kind of like go from zero to ten overnight, and then, you know, you just kind of soft, just kind of go slow, man. You don't want to throw everybody off, whatever it was. But one night, man... Uh, God just kind of hit me with the two by four and I was in LA at the time and so I'm driving down the 101 it was like one o'clock at night just coming from fresh just like prayer time with a mentor and just feeling freer than I ever felt because I finally repented of that idol of romance and taking you know my my future marriage into my own hands and I just remember just driving down the 101 rolled the windows down and I'm flinging it's probably, I probably shouldn't advertise that I was doing this because it is littering, but I was set free in Jesus. Anyway, but I used, I was flinging these CDs out of the car on the highway and just getting rid of this thing that I just kind of kept entertaining, usually in my downtimes of, okay, all right, this is helping me. But in all actuality, the more I would turn to that, the more subservient I would be to that. And that's what idols do. And so when we turn to the Lord, God can break the power of those idols. But sometimes we got to come out and bring our books. Amen? All right. I think that's all I got. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Lord, I just pray that, Lord, if, if any of the idols that we, that was listed today, God, if any of those, God, pricked our heart, God, that is your spirit. And so, Lord, we just bring those to you. God, there may be a lot of emotions surrounded by this, but God, 
Lord, we know in our heart that those idols are keeping us slaves to the enemy and, Lord, not free in Christ. And, Lord, if there's any of us here where our heart just knows, God, I'm not free in Christ, I'm not living in the freedom that he came to give, what are those idols that are standing in the way? What are those idols that are blocking you? You know what they are. But we want to do a little business with the Lord, so we're just going to give a little time. So we say, God, Lord, take these things. Take them. God, we fully give them to you. Like literally hand it over to him in your imagination. Like I'm, full, I'm not holding anything back. There's no strings attached to it. It's God, I'm fully putting this in your hands. And God, if there's anything that's there, I repent of giving my allegiance to those things. And right now, I turn from my allegiance. I fall out of agreement with those. And God, I, uh, I, I, I set my heart and my mind and my whole life in allegiance with you, Jesus. Father, I pray that you would, uh, Lord, come and fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, this, this place where these idols took, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and fill that place. Fill that place of safety. God, fill that place of peace and comfort. God, fill that place with encouragement in life. God, fill that place to counter the voices of fear, to counter the voices of our own flesh, our own stubbornness, our own pride. God, right now, Lord, Holy Spirit, take over our life. Lord, take over our future. God, take over our emotions. God, take over our imaginations. Because, God, we need to be your people in this hour. Lord, not just to fall out of agreement with idols, but God, to help others fall out of agreement with theirs. So, Lord, I pray with us here, God, that we would leave different this morning. It's a common phrase around church, but God, I pray that we would do business right now. Here you go, Lord. Have it. I'm done with it. God, I will be defined by you. And I now live for the audience of one, which is you, you, God. Lord Jesus, continue to speak your word and working this out in our heart over this weekend and this next week. God, I pray that you would bring us into full victory because, God, that's where you desire your people to be. And, Lord, it's possible in you because we've seen it time and time and time and thousands of times again. God, when we fully surrender to you, God, you take over and do something great with our lives beyond what we could ever dream or imagine because that's how good of a God you are. So, Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org, and we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.